The Write-Off, a crime comedy drama, episode one, written by Jennifer Alexander, script edited by Norla Munn and Natalie Heath, casting by Gemma Parrish, edited at Lana Banana Studios in Sevenoaks. A special thank you to the Heritage Garden Kitchen in Bidden, the Pink Cloud, Charlotte Bass and Sarah Lee Jones. Narrated by Matt Lacey. Starring Jamie Davis, Heather Fenton, Natalie Heath, Duncan Woodruff, James Hannaway, Victoria Jones and Ruth Hayes. Featuring Mark Hill, Melissa Smithhurst, Billy Asprey, Jennifer Alexander, Charlotte Bass, Gemma MacDonald, Heather Alexander, Matty Hurst, and Erin Burks. Part 1 Interior Lydia and Amit's Flat Kitchen, London, Afternoon. Lydia throws a tea towel over her shoulder whilst washing up various toddler cups, plates and cutlery. There are also paintbrushes soaking in a cup and a typical toddler art pride of place on the fridge. The news from the TV is on in the background. Her daughter Zoe, too, is asleep on the sofa. London's residents are soaking up the sun now lockdown is over, but Prime Minister Boris Johnson is urging everyone to continue to stick to social distancing and other Covid safety measures. Restaurants and high street shops are welcoming customers back, but diners must now wear masks, sanitise hands and maintain social distance. Next, an Australian family who can't get back into Australia. Lydia's phone rings. She goes to pick up the TV remote but breaks a glass she's just washed up. She turns the TV off. The name Caroline comes up on the phone while she's brushing up all the broken glass with a dustpan and brush. On the wall, there's a collage of slightly faded photos of Lydia, Matthew and Molly. In some photos, Lydia and Molly are pulling pranks on Matthew in the countryside, while others are of them at office parties. In the latter photos, Matthew is seen looking at Lydia in every one. Exterior. Lydia and Amit's flat terrace in London. Early evening. Amit sits subdued at the garden table, the sound of a jumbo jet flying nearby and the distant sirens of an ambulance. There's a PVC tablecloth with paint stains and lit candles of varying sizes melted together, a wine bottle and two mugs. Lydia comes out from the house carrying two plates of curry, hair messy and makeup a little smudged but smiling. Lydia puts the meals on the table and sits opposite Amit. So, when Mum called, I told her that I'd finally got hold of your Mum's recipe and that I'd give it a go. Amit sits, mood unchanged and staring into space. If anything, lockdown together has brought out the creative side in both of us, don't you think? Lydia reaches over and squeezes Amit's hand a little. Just pour the wine into the mugs. I've broken another glass. It was one that your grandparents gave us. I'm sorry. At least we can visit them now. Amit looks at the wine and pours it into the mugs. Lydia noticed he's not touched his curry yet, but she dives in to take a bite. Lydia, I'm leaving you. Her eyes water. Shit! Oh! Lydia chugs back her wine and can hardly talk with her eyes streaming tears. I need water. Don't touch it. Amit pushes the curry away. Lydia makes her way back to the French doors of the flat and Zoe starts crying from the baby monitor inside. 
Lydia walks back out, drinking water and holding Zoe, who's leaning sleepily on her shoulder. Leaving me? I'm leaving law too. Lockdown made me realise. I bloody hate law. It's boring. Lydia tries to take in the news as she turns away, looking concerned as she looks at Zoe. I'm going to be a street performer, and I'm moving in with law. Laura. Clearly, I've been very naive. Amit looks surprised. Did you and your performance instructor consider Zoe at all? My parents divorced. I turned out okay. Zoe cries. <laughs> yes, Amit, you're a flippin' keeper. Interior, Indian restaurant, Bramley, early evening. Dexter, James, Chris, John, Peter and Andrew sit around the table finishing their meals. All are a little uncomfortable with Dexter's presence. That's pathetic. I mean, have you all been sheltered your whole lives? No, I don't want to do a marathon with you, James. James, offended, looks to Chris, but he shakes his head too. No thanks, mate. Peter's your guy. Peter chokes on his curry. (coughs) And I don't want to babysit your weird kids, Andrew. Hey, screw you. I'll babysit. No, you'll frighten them, John. You're too freakishly tall. John sulks. Oh, that's not on, mate. Now, tall people should feel included. We're a society of inclusion now. Oh, here we go. Give me a break. Tall people are not underrepresented, you idiot. Yeah, look at that comedian, Greg Davies. He is on everything now. Oh, God, don't encourage him. What do you think Greg Davies did to get on the telly, James? Apply for a tall person scheme because of his stature. (laughs) They all crack up laughing except John and Peter. Peter, offended, starts to get up from his chair until Dexter gestures for him to stay. Ladies, ladies, please. Lockdown has been bloody mental. It's time to move on at the boozer and let our hair down like tarts on an endo. Dexter slowly takes out a bag of cocaine from his pocket and puts it on the table. The others look terrified. Look, I think I'd better head home. We've been out a long time. The wife will worry. Sit your butt down, James. The evening is young. It's your turn next. Exterior. Pub in Bramley, late evening. An ambulance takes away Dexter's body. His friends from the Indian restaurant observe in shock, but they all look high. James starts to get tearful and snuffly. Matthew wears a mask and looks round at Dexter's onlooking friends. Molly looks on with a notepad with her nose poking out from her mask. You know, you know it's, it's pretty much useless if you don't cover your nose too. Molly reluctantly pulls her mask to cover her nose. You're lucky you haven't all overdone it. I know your wives. What if they and your children could see you now, eh? They all look a bit ashamed. Look, a village busybody called in to say they think someone might have killed Dexter, but clearly it's an overdose. Well, who would say that? Like an ex-girlfriend, you mean? Molly looks at Matthew and they both look at Peter. Their interest has peaked. Are you repeating hearsay or do you actually have something to tell us? Uh, no. No, just village gossip. Matthew and Molly look at each other, smelling a rat. Right, well, we'll need to interview you all tomorrow. You're all obviously in shock, and James is... James starts leaning emotionally towards Matthew. No, sorry, no. Could you get your friend to, uh... Matthew looks desperately towards James's friends, but no-one's biting. James steps back quickly. Oh, sorry, social distancing. It's been torture, hasn't it? Not being able to be there for people when they need you. Matthew shifts uncomfortably. Yeah, social distancing. It's, um, been rough. 
Matthew looks sideways to Molly and they share a slight smirk. They thrive on social distancing. If you need help, we have officers more specialised to help with this kind of thing. I can get them to call you. James nods and walks back towards his friends. Matthew looks at his watch. It's time to pick up some food for Bandit. Molly puts her notepad away into her pocket. We've discussed this. You're still trying to prove something. Lydia's been gone ages. I like you just as you are. Matthew smiles at Molly, then stares into space in a world of his own. You're not an animal person. I'm not an animal person. It's people that don't. Animals like me. Molly stares blankly. She like my post? Christ, you need help. Matthew shows her his phone screen. There's an awkward photo from Matthew's social media post of him embracing a dog, Bandit, in bed, who is clearly trying to get away from Matthew, with the words, Love these mornings together. She dropped us like a brick for London. She's married a fit lawyer and they have a kid. She's not interested in your life or mine. Exterior. The country road into Bramley. Late evening. Lydia in her car passes Welcome to Bramley, village sign, and pulls up to the high street outside the small supermarket. The surroundings are quaint with a country pub, a church, a gift shop, post office, a butcher and a hardware shop, etc. As she gets out the car, she takes a moment to take in the pleasant surroundings and quickly goes to unbuckle Zoe from her child seat. Interior, Bramley Small Supermarket, late evening. Quiet, white, sterile atmosphere. There's a buzzing ceiling light and a staff member looking bored as he mops an aisle. There's a checkout assistant yawning behind the cigarette counter. The sliding doors open and ding as Lydia comes rushing in, carrying Zoe. They head towards the toilets at the back. Nearly there, hold on. At the self-checkout line, Matthew waits with a bag of dog biscuits. A man leaves and he steps up to the free self-checkout. A woman, waiting, laughs quietly. Matthew laughs back in a flirtatious way. She points to his crotch. Ooh, buy me dinner first. The woman stops laughing. He then notices his fly is undone. Oh! He zips it up. When he looks back up, the woman has another woman with her, with the other woman's arm around her waist. They both give him a suspicious stare. The self-checkout beeps saying, assistance required. Lydia is now in the queue with Zoe. A male assistant helps Matthew. Oh, bit rusty, are you, mate? Matthew? Matthew turns around, but his phone rings. Lydia. Wow. This is your daughter. I did a wee on the toilet. Um. Lydia is beaming. Matthew wants to continue talking, but they both see Molly's name flashing on his phone. I'll be staying at Mum's. Be great to catch up. Absolutely. Sorry, I need to, um... Matthew answers his phone. Hello? Yes. I said I'd do that. Right, we'll stop nagging me then. Right, yeah. Bye. Matthew hangs up and turns around smiling, eager. But Lydia and Zoe have left. Exterior, Caroline's house, late evening. Lydia turns a key in the front door, but the door chain catches the door. Caroline? Is that you? Mary sees through the door that it's Lydia and Zoe. Oh, Lydia, Zoe, great to see ya. Mary notices the boxes in the back of the car. Everything okay, darling? Exterior, Molly's house, front lounge window, late evening. Across the road, Molly walks past her window inside her house with her dinner plate. She stops suddenly when she sees Lydia and Zoe at the doorway at Caroline's. 
Interior, Molly's Lounge, late evening. Molly gets a text from the name Simon. Babe, when are you going to take me back? Shall I come over for old time's sake? You must be missing me. God knows nobody else can do for me what you do. Molly smiles. Molly texts back. As if you knob. If you pick up Noel on time this weekend, we shall see. Exterior, Caroline and Molly's street, late evening. At the top of the road, Matthew is attempting to jog. Bandit is stopping to sniff things. He pulls in different directions on the lead, making jogging in a straight line impossible for Matthew. He sees Lydia and Zoe walk into Caroline's house in the distance. Molly notices the boxes in Lydia's car. She's not pleased with what she sees. Lydia has left her keys in the front door. Matthew is getting closer to Caroline's house and spots Lydia's car and the boxes. He looks excited. He walks past Caroline's house and unbeknownst to him is Molly at her window watching him. Molly gets out her phone. Matthew decides to walk past again and spots the keys in the front door. He becomes fidgety and irritated. His phone rings. It's Molly calling. Did you look into Dexter's finances? You looked into the others? Yep, I'm at home looking into them now. I'll call you if I've got something. As Bandit pulls him in the direction of Molly's house, he sees her waving and looking unimpressed. Oh, hi. She's not bloody changed, Ma. Left the keys in the door. Should I? No, you weirdo. She'll know it's you. Don't you dare encourage anything. Yeah, yeah. Matthew hangs up on Molly and Molly looks pissed off. He takes the keys out of the door and puts them through the letterbox. He rushes off with reluctant bandit in tow, who still pulls in various directions. Interior, Caroline's house, kitchen, morning. Caroline is in her nurse's uniform preparing toast. Mary is sat at the table reading the paper. Shane is sat at a children's table with Zoe playing tea parties with a teddy and a doll. Sure I can't tempt you with some toast, Shane? No, Shane has toast. Zoe hands Shane some plastic toast from a toy picnic basket. Before Shane can answer, Lydia comes in, dressed but with wet hair. Oh, hello. Hello. This is our lovely lodger, Shane, Lydia. Shane blushes a little. Lydia picks up on the slight chemistry between Caroline and Shane. Mary smiles knowingly and goes back to the paper. You just missed each other last night. Oh, sorry, I was at the pub asking about that business with Dexter. Oh yes, Shane used to work as a software engineer, but now he's furloughed and waiting to get back into Australia. He's writing a thriller novel, Lydia. Isn't that exciting? Lydia looks a little suspicious at where this conversation might be headed. You should both go and talk to Matthew and get inspiration for the novel together. I don't know, Mum. I've got a feeling Matthew won't mind. <laughs> you know you left your keys in the front door. Lydia looks towards the front door. Oh. Lydia smiles a little. Oh, go on, Lydia. Nan and I can look after Zoe between us today. It'll be a good distraction for you while you're on stress leave. Yes, from police work... Mm, yes, a lovely break from it all. Shane, Mary and Caroline all look at her expectantly. Lydia holds her hands up in truce. OK, fine. We'll do our own investigations together, but we can't step on the toes of the official investigation. Shane, Caroline and Mary all smile in agreement. Awesome. I suppose you've seen this already. 
Shane shows Lydia a village social media post on his phone with a comment. Dexter died suddenly tonight. Thoughts are with his family and loved ones. And a photo of the pub and ambulance. In the comments of shock and kind words to Dexter's family, there's a comment. Yes, of course, but how many loved ones did Dexter have? That's a lot of sympathy cards. I've hacked into that account and it's a fake name. Lydia pulls a slightly disapproving face. Right, yeah. Sorry. But come on, I mean, who uses their pet's name and one, two, three? And the real name was? The email matches the name of Dexter's friend, well, James, who was there last night. Exterior, James's house, morning. Molly and Matthew pull up outside James's house in an unmarked car wearing masks. It's a Victorian terrace. An elderly neighbour, a man, is in the front garden gardening. He waves enthusiastically. Molly and Matthew nod in acknowledgement but carry on towards the front door. Not as friendly as the other two, are you? Molly and Matthew stop in their tracks and look back to the neighbour. Interior, James's study, morning. Lydia is comforting a crying James. <laughs> Shane is writing notes in his notepad. Molly enters abruptly, wearing a mask loosely, with James's wife, Sally, behind her. Matthew enters wearing a mask. He tries to look serious, but he's pleased to see it's Lydia. Well, this is bloody cosy, isn't it? Shane is startled and he drops his notepad. And who the bloody hell are you? Shane picks up his notepad and sits quickly next to the far side of Lydia. This is Shane. We're just... Uh, we're just looking into... James looks to Sally, who just walks out again. James sobs. <laughs> he lies on Lydia's lap while she holds him gently. Molly storms out. There's still a pandemic on Lydia. Social distancing, face masks, uh, just thinking of your safety whilst he's snivelling all over you. <laughs> James gets off Lydia's lap, looking at Matthew in disgust. Catch you later. Lydia smiles politely and Matthew exits. Exterior, James's street, morning. Lydia and Shane get into Lydia's car and Molly and Matthew into their car. Molly drives off with the wheels spinning. Interior, Lydia's car, morning. Lydia sits for a moment, staring into space, and she takes a bite out of a cereal bar with some aggression. Shane waits patiently for a moment. So, now we all know his wife was... Well, she wasn't very grateful, that detective, when we shared that information. Lydia takes another aggressive bite. You're a bit hungry? It's probably PMS. Or actually, I don't know when I'm due. I like to eat, OK? Shane nods carefully. Go back a long time, the three of you. Well, I guess we better stop now, really getting on their toes. Lydia screws up the wrapper and shoves it into her pocket. No, you've done more this morning than she could do in a week. Pick up your sluice spade, Shane. We're digging deeper. Wow, awesome. Seamless motivational work right there, Lydia. Lydia smiles. She's enjoying herself and back into the swing of things. She turns on the engine. Shane takes out his notepad and pen. He writes and underlines, Sleuth spade. Let's try Dexter's wife again, see if we can track her down. Interior, Molly's car, morning. Matthew is looking through a list of suspects and their photos. He ticks next to James and writes, Wife cheated with Dexter. Caution. He's a crier. He looks at the remaining five men on the list and Dexter's wife. So we know James's wife had an affair with Dexter. 
I looked into Dex's financial records. Andrew transferred £10,000 into Dex's bank account. Matthew looks for a response from Molly, who's not responding. You quiet? Yeah. Alright, I'll get Andrew's address up. Aren't you going to ask why? Why what? You're, you're such an ass. Despite her being a total cow, at least you used to know when to say the right thing. Matthew is looking through the list of suspects again. Sorry, what? Molly turns the radio on. Hmm, love this song. Turn it on, Molly. Molly turns it up, still seething a little. Matthew looks out the window, daydreaming. Flashback. Interior. Bramley Police Station Office Christmas Party 2016. Late evening. Christmas 2016. Through a crowded room decorated with Christmas decorations and police officers drinking and laughing, Matthew walks past gradually, and they all generally seem to avoid him. He can see Lydia talking to Molly at the other side of the office. Molly walks off and starts flirting with another police officer. She takes a bottle of vodka out of her desk and they top up their drinks. Matthew walks up to Lydia and he gestures for her to come into another office that's empty. Lydia picks up a bottle of champagne and closes the door behind them. Now inside, Matthew looks nervous and Lydia looks excited. Lydia pops and pours the champagne into two glasses and hands one to Matthew. Here's to another amazing year as police officers. Let's hope our careers progress well in the years to come. Matthew holds up his glass and they clink their glasses. Matthew, I, I know we're only a new thing, but there's something I need to tell you. Matthew looks at her. He's completely smitten. What? There's someone else, isn't there? What? No! God, no! Matthew looks relieved and leans in. They kiss. Molly comes in. Oi! It's speeches! Matthew follows Molly out, but Lydia is more hesitant. Out in the area they were all before, their gov holds out his drink. Uh, well, it's been another smashing year. Well done, team. Everyone holds out their drinks and there's various cheers and clinking. Now, one final bit of business to leave things on a high and a bit of a blow too. Lydia, you're one of the best, but it looks like you're believing us. Lydia passed her detective exams and she's been snapped up by the London Met. Officers around the room cheer. Hi, congratulations, Lyd. It's all well deserved. Matthew looks at Lydia, shocked. I tried to tell you. They contacted me to ask if I was interested. No, that's great, Lyd. And you're a detective now. Uh, well done. The door slams as Molly storms out of the office. Lydia follows after her and Matthew watches sadly. He takes out a tiny Christmas present from his pocket and puts it into his desk. End of flashback sequence. Present. Interior. Andrew's study. Morning. Molly and Matthew, standing spaced far apart, wearing masks, have their notepads open. Andrew faces them from his desk. His study is messy with files, medical books and journals scattered everywhere. Yes, he owed me money. And no, I never treated him as a patient, so I wouldn't have a clue what kind of medical history he had. Cocaine can cause heart attacks, so it's not unusual. Matthew is looking around at all the medical books and journals. He stops when he sees various thriller and murder mystery novels. The trouble is, Andrew, uh, Dr Hathaway, is you have the means and knowledge on how to make it look like an accident and a possible motive. Andrew tenses up now he's been suspected. Molly picks up on it. Do I need to call my solicitor? Andrew picks up his phone. 
Only if you have something to hide, Dr. Hathaway. Matthew is now looking at Andrew more intensely. Look, I don't know who would want to kill Dexter, all right? He wasn't the kind of man to go to his doctor and live for the moment. He was... Andrew's wife, Jane, comes in. Sure I couldn't get you a tea? No, thank you. Jane walks out and smiles politely but looks uncomfortable. Andrew has now crossed his arms and is avoiding eye contact. Could you please tell us why you lent Dexter £10,000? Please, keep your voices down. Jane doesn't know. He um, wanted to set up a cafe on the high street and it was to cover the rent. Thank you for your time, Dr Hathaway. We'll be in touch if we need any more information. If you need anything else, it will be through my solicitor. Matthew goes to say something, but Molly holds her hand out, gesturing him not to continue. So he stops. Well... Uh, uh, Thank you for your time. Interior, Andrew's hallway. Morning. Matthew makes his way out through the front door, but Molly walks back towards the kitchen where Jane is washing up. On the side is a sticky note and some cash saying, Grocery money. The biscuits and tea bags on the side are value brands. Thank you for your time, Jane. Uh, We'll see you at pick-up later. Jane looks Molly up and down. Er, yes, I suppose we will. Did you decide to take either of the dads back in the end? Now, Jane, that's not really nice schoolgate talk, is it? Best to leave that for when my back's turned later, don't you think? Molly walks out and Jane turns back to the washing up. Interior, Molly's car, morning. Matthew is on social media on his phone and notices Lydia has no relationship status. He's interrupted when Molly comes into the car and puts his phone away. You should have asked him why you lent the money before you accused him of being a suspect. Oh, well, the reason wasn't very convincing. Yeah, well, why would you lend someone £10,000 if they're not doing so well themselves? They're buried in debt. Got loans coming out of their ears. That's what I was going to talk to him about before you stopped me. What? You could have told me that. You've been busy obsessing over Lydia instead of concentrating on me. I mean this. Matthew's phone rings and they both see it's Lydia calling. Matthew shrugs weakly whilst Molly glares. Hey. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, really helpful. No, we thought the same thing about the Hathaways. Okay, right then. Bye. Matthew hangs up and looks carefully back at Molly who rolls her eyes. Um... They're a bit ahead of us with information and Shane was wondering if we had time for a socially distant barbecue over lunch to go through the suspects and clear the air. What? Absolutely not. We don't have time to mess about. We need to speak to Dexter's wife. I'll drive by again now. They've just gone by. Lydia said the school gates is probably the best way to catch us, so lunch? 